place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now Aloha, welcome to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue 196, where I'll be recommending and lovingly reviewing the best of the new comic books that just came out, New Comic Book Day, Wednesday, February 13th. And this particular podcast is about to do what Limp Biscuit did to music in the late 90s. <laughs> I am your friendly neighborhood host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope that all is well with you and yours. Please do me a small favor and hit the subscribe button to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. Then check out all of our past podcasts on our giant podcast feed. And then follow us on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube at Sunspots Comics. Yes, we're very easy to find. Just one name. And I always love to start the show with some humble thank yous. First and most importantly... Thank you to you, the listener. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. Whether this is just your first time trying us out to just peek in, see what's happening, or you are just one of our amazing Sunspots Comics loyalists, seriously, thank you for choosing the Sunspots Comics Podcast. It means a lot to me. And also thank you to my friend Nick, Papa George. He is the singer of the sweet Sunspots Comics theme song you just heard. Please check out his solo singing stuff on Facebook.com slash and his band Solution at Facebook.com slash Solution Reggae. If you love reggae music with rock and kind of island, like good feeling guitar stuff all kind of jammed all together, you're going to love the sounds of my friend Nick Papa George and his band Solution. So please check him out and thank you, Nick. And also thank you to our sponsor, Pop-Up Tea. Check out their super giant nerdy selection of t-shirts at popuptea.com. They have got it all and then some. Everything you could just imagine is there on popuptea.com. Use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order. That's right, even the clearance stuff. So thank you to popuptea.com. Now, let's make a painful superhero landing right into the SUNSPOTS COMICS podcast. Issue number 196, starting out with some stuff that's been floating around inside of my nerdy brain. The first nugget of nerd lodged ever so deeply in my nerdy frontal lobe is two quick spotlighting interviews that I recorded this Saturday, yesterday at Long Beach Comic Expo. Thank you to Long Beach Comic Expo for inviting me to come and visit the con. It was a lot of fun. And the first of the two interviews is from comic book creator, writer, Marguerite Bennett. You can follow her at Evil Marguerite. She is a top-notch writer of titles like Animosity from Aftershock Comics, Batwoman and Bombshells from DC, and even Power Rangers from Boom Comics. You gotta listen, it's just a ton of fun. She's a fantastic writer. And the second interview I'm about to play is with comic book creator and writer DJ Kirkbride of Aaron Boys from Image Comics. So here you go, for your listening pleasure, enjoy. All right, everybody, this is kind of cool. I'm at the Long Beach Comic Expo with Marguerite Bennett. She is a writer that is very dear and close to my heart. Uh, she writes Animosity and other things. I read your Batwoman run. And uh, Bombshells is one from D.C. as well. But I'm here with you. How are you doing today, Marguerite? Very good. Very happy to be here. Yes. Well, uh, I've, you're mostly on the East Coast, so I'm, I, I'm just absolutely like 
excited to see you here on the West Coast. You don't come out this way uh, very often? Actually, um, I moved a few years back, and I'm actually just east of Pasadena these days. Excellent. All right, cool. Well, I, I follow you on everything, and so I see you on the East Coast a lot, and so I'm glad you're over here. But uh, how did you get your start in comics? Like, what was the break for you? Oh, goodness. My gateway drug was Batman the Animated Series, which came out when I was five years old. And um, I absolutely fell in love with, uh, with Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn. I mean, those, those were my heroines. And I think one of the major reasons for that was that the TV show was so unusual. I mean, you know, in, in just construction and tone. When I first I, I caught it on TV, and I thought I completely misunderstood it. I thought that it was a TV show for adults. And, you know, given the, you know, this dark noir tone, you know, so much of the media that we give to children, but especially the media we give to little girls, tends to be this hyper bright, hyper sanitized, hyper saturated, you know, aspirational heroines. And even at the age of five, I already knew that there was no way that I could be so endlessly kind and selfless and helpful and just, you know, never have a bad day, never like have a temper tantrum. And the, those, you know, the, the Gotham City Sirens spoke to me in such a way because they didn't have to be good. They didn't have to be aspirational. They got to be themselves. And I fell in love forever. And then um, I was, it was actually, you know, years and years later, uh, 20 years later, actually, um, I was taking a graphic novel writing class. I, I went to um, Sarah Lawrence for, for prose. Novels is my background, actually, in horror. And... Um, I just took it as an elective, and um, it was it was a graphic novel cl writing class that was taught by Scott Snyder, <laughs> and it was right before you know Batman and everything blew up. And about a year after I took the class, he reached back out to me, and said, you know, I keep on thinking about these scripts that you brought in, and if you want to do this professionally, I think you're ready. And so, you know, he made an introduction at DC, and I had to jump through hoops of fire and audition and everything, but um, it, it all worked out. And um, Mike Martz was actually the very first editor, you know, on uh, my very first comic. Wow, Mike Martz from Aftershock. That's very cool. So Scott Snyder early on gave you the stamp of approval, <laughs> the gold seal, if you will, and then it's just, uh, you know, sky's the limit from there. Fantastic. Where did some of the ideas, like animosity specifically, like what are some of the inspirations there for you? Like how did you come up with some of the ideas? Where did it come from? When did the spark happen? You know, it took me a long time to figure that out. I was probably more than a year into writing it when I was like, because people had asked me that question and I didn't have like a, a pithy answer. It was like, I don't know. The, the dog talked to the girl. I, I got nothing. And um, my, my mother actually is, I think, the reason for the series is that um, my mom is the patron saint of dogs. And so my mom, like, like growing up, we did not have, like, the golden retriever white picket fence. The dogs of my childhood were, uh, can I cuss on this? <laughs> were fucked up hound dogs. And my mom adopted the unadoptable dog. She'd go to the SPCA and to the other shelters, and, you know, she was looking for the dog that you know, was was disabled or had expensive, you know, medication or was on hospice care or the one that people had brought back or had been abused or had, you know, intense behavioral issues. And she'd work with them tirelessly and turn them around. And, you know, even the dogs who needed hospice care, you know, she's wanted their, their lives to be, you know, loved. They're at the end, she called it giving them a soft landing. And, um, you know, so this idea of parenthood got very bound up, I think, with hound dogs somehow. Um, because animosity, you know, even though it, it, you know, reads as more of an animal rights series, for me it's a series about parenthood, is that, you know, you, you start as the child of your parents, and as you grow and age, that power dynamic shifts. You know, the way that, you know, Jesse starts as Sandor's mom, he's the puppy, she's the mom, she's going to take care of him. And when the wake happens and, you know, he comes online, he's the adult now and she's the child. And so it's that, that sense that, 
you know, the power changes and the responsibility changes, but the love is the constant and the through line that one day you will be, if you are lucky, you will be parent to your parents. Yeah. That's lovely. Like your mom must have really inspired you. Uh, that's, that's sticking in my head right now as far as like, you know, she was a staunch believer that enough love and care and time that even the worst case of, in this case, you know, a, a, a you know, a four-legged friend can turn around and recover. That's that's cool. And then, and then to sprinkle in, uh, you know, where where some of these ideas came from as far as the sh the shifting of parental role to child. That's just great stuff. Like, that's very cool. Uh, what can you t hint to us as far as where animosity is kind of going? And let me give a quick pitch to anyone that hasn't uh, read Animosity from Aftershock. I do highly recommend it. It's um, elevator pitch wise. It's uh, Planet of the Apes with all animals, if you will. They've all sort of awakened, if you will, and, and there's just power struggles and, and this journey also with Sandor, the bloodhound dog, uh, and, and Jesse. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. But where can you maybe hint to us as far as maybe where it's going? We're on issue 18 right now. What, where, where do you see it in the future? I mean, we, we've got our great American road trip happening, you know, the, the black comedy apocalypse. And uh, so we're in Georgia now, and we're going to keep heading down. So they've, they've curved south for the winter because um, you do not want to winter in the Ozarks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're they're curving down. They're going to be heading towards the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, interesting to what happened to a main character uh, in the last few issues. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it because I do want you guys to read this. But it's fantastic writing, and it's it's so interesting when you have this this very intelligent dialogue from like shrimp, you know, or any kind of weird kind of animal. <laughs> it's, it's, where does some of that come from? Like you wanted to give particular animals a particular kind of personality. Where did that come from? Well, it's honestly just having a lot of fun with it. It's, it's, the, it's the black comedy apocalypse is how I pitch it to folk. Um, you know, and just like, I, I love animal humor. <laughs> and you know, it's just, it's very enjoyable. And I really think that, you know, I mean, going back to our earliest, earliest myths and legends, you know, to the snake in the garden, We've had this preoccupation with, out of all the creatures in the world, why do only we talk and coexist the way we do? So. Have you uh, have you really told your story, like your really personal story, in any form of media? Have you really done that yet? I hope that they're all little bits and pieces in different proportions. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. So it's scattered, but it's all there. If you were to assemble it all together. Like, what are you reading now? Like, what are you nerding out? It doesn't have to be comics. What are you nerding out on right now? Um, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm an audiobook addict, and so I just finished um, McDowell's The Elementals, which is this, like, wonderful 1981 novel of this Southern Gothic, and it really, like, I, I lay awake for an hour after I finished it, like, in the dark looking at the ceiling. And, um, you know, it was just a really tremendous, unsettling horror novel and very much sort of about that... that just uncomfortable southern identity is that you've inherited these traditions that you will never understand you've inherited these revolting legacies that you will never be able to escape and uh it was just i'm not sure that it'll it'll hit all all people will be for all audiences but it really unsettled something in me <laughs> working a little bit with with joe uh, pruitt and mike martz from aftershock it seems they've just let you do your thing with animosity. Am I right in that? They're extremely supportive and extremely kind and generous, and I could not ask for two better editors. And I say that, too, because I, there's, there's just it, the very detailed character development here that you don't get in a lot of comics. Uh, there's, you know, there's that time constraint. It seems like they've let you just sort of lay these characters out and spend some time with them. Mike especially has been just profoundly generous and, and understanding and merciful and patient with me because sometimes, you know, I get lost in the woods or, you know, things happen out, you know, outside of the schedule. And 
I, you know, I'm just a mess. And, you know, he's just been always just so gracious and forgiving. And I, I really hope that in the long run it has made the book more resonant for that. Uh, it's, it definitely has. And recently, uh, tell the folks about uh, the news, about animosity going into other forms of media. Please, uh, for the folks that don't know, tell us a little bit about that. So we got we got optioned by Legendary, um, you know, and so that's just uh, astonishing. And I'm, I'm extremely hopeful. And But really, like, I, I can will never forget that it, you know, it is because of the readers that this book exists and because of the readers it, it made the foothold the paw hold that it did <laughs> and a uh, snapshot of your stuff you're doing animosity right now you're still doing bombshells as well yeah, yeah, is that wrapped and as did batwoman um and then i've got uh, power rangers actually at boom studios awesome yes i might have to go check that out i haven't seen you just started with power rangers um we're about six issues in now yeah i'm gonna go take a peek i'm not a big power rangers fan but because you're writing it i'll go look at it <laughs> so yes fantastic you're an inspiration just female writers, but writers in general. And uh, what advice can you give uh, some of us that are aspiring to be and break into the comic book business? You know, everyone is going to have, you know, different rules and guidelines that work for them. The One of the truest ones, though, is, is write the book you want to read. The other one is, you know, to, to seek out peers, you know, like of your, your own generation, you know, all of y'all up, up and coming together. Because I see a lot of folk, you know, hanging out in the bars trying to catch, like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to this person, I'm going to talk to my hero, and it's... You know, they they have their own friends that they came up in the trenches with. And so, but if you can find people, you know, a support network of your own, a rising tide raises all ships and someone's going to break in and then you'll be able to help one another. And, it, it, you know, that's, I would be nowhere without my friends and without my support network. Lovely, lovely. Forward. <laughs> Build bridges. I, I love that. I love that concept. Well, thank you. What, uh, where can everyone find you? Oh, um, I'm actually not very active on social media at all, but uh, I think that the, the archive things are um, Evil Marguerite at just about every platform, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Gmail if you want to email me. Yes, I already cyberstalk you on everything. I just wanted people to know <laughs> exactly. Follow her. She's a fantastic writer. Uh, you're just one of my favorites. I'm a big fan, and I will continue to read Animosity until it's over. Um, gosh, it's just been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Marguerite. It's a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, here we go, folks. I am here at Long Beach Comic Expo with DJ Kirkbrand of the comic book from Image Comics, Aaron Boys, which I have been fan it's just been enjoying it. It's on my pull list. You folks have seen it, all of you that follow me. It's always there. I'm always enjoying it. How's it going, DJ? Oh, it's going great, Chris. Thank you so much. And thank you for the support of Aaron Boys. It warms my heart. Well, you wrote some good stuff, man. It just sells itself. It's fantastic. Tell the folks that aren't reading it. Give us a little you know, pitch about Aaron Boys and what it's kind of all about. Without spoiling it, I want people to read it, but give us a little pitch on what Aaron Boys from Image, from DJ Kirkbrand, is all about. Oh, sure. Yeah, so Aaron Boys, it's a comic book that I write, and then an artist named Nikos uh, Koitsis, I probably mispronounced his last name, he draws it, we co-created it. Uh, it's kind of like Star Wars minus all the Jedi fantasy stuff. It's about like characters in a big, crazy, futuristic world who are just scraping by, trying to live their lives. The main character, his name is Jace Lopez. He's a little bit of a Han Solo type, but not as cool. And uh, he ends up kind of becoming the legal guardian of his younger brother, whose name is Tonk. And they kind of have to learn how to be a family while running from a bunch of aliens and flying through space and getting into scrapes and adventures. Love it. That's, that's my favorite part is the Jason-Tonk relationship. It, uh, anyone that has a sibling... You know, there's complications there, and that's that's what I love about it is Jace has kind of thrown this, you know, half-brother, if you will, step-brother, and he has to kind of keep the guy alive in all of his hijinks, doing the errands and stuff that he does. Did any of that come from, like, a real place, like, with, with you and your siblings? Was there any of that in there? Well, you know, there's, I mean, 
some of the book is kind of based on parts of my life, but but um, one of the things I liked about that kind of relationship is the idea. Oh, uh, this yeah, Imperium, yeah, Darth Vader is coming. Uh, I like the idea of um, found family and making a family where maybe there wasn't one, whether you're related or not. So I like that, and also Jace, you know, he's kind of a mess up, and. He's doing his best. He steps up in his own way, but it's a lot of him learning and also Tonk learning. Tonk kind of has had like a more of a sheltered life. And so it's a little bit of him learning to toughen up and Jace learn, learning to smarten up. Yeah, I, I can feel the, the sort of role shifting. Am I, am I guessing here that, you know, it very much feels like Jace is the, you know, the parental figure in, in this, but he's realizing that Tonk also has a good head on his shoulders. Is there a little bit of that rever role reversal kind of happening there? Well, I don't want to spoil it, but I will say, I mean, because this isn't a plot-heavy book, the characters do definitely grow and change. Like, where they are at the end of issue five, the final issue, is very different than where they were when issue one starts. Nico, your artist, which I, when I reviewed it on my podcast, I know I butchered his last name, so I'll just, Nico. <laughs> it's a visually stunning book. Like, was it... 100% you, or did you go, hey, Nico, this is my idea? I love that synergy between writer and, and artist. So how much of that, like, was, was it all you and, and as far as the design? I love the design of the characters. All completely you? Oh, no, not at all. No, I was just nodding because I'm actually, what's real, I mean, it's amazing. I wish I could draw, but since I can't, it's great to collaborate with, some, with amazing artists. Nico's definitely is one. Uh, he contacted me just about working together. And because uh, I had edited a book that, uh, called Popcorn, I was one of the editors on this anthology, and he had contributed to it, and so he was looking for someone to work with, and I had this pitch called Errand Boys, um, and originally I was working on it with a different artist, and actually she drew a version of the pitch that, um, you know, just like for, she ended up like going on other projects and said, you know, this is your idea, you can do what you want. I never showed Nikos her art, but I gave him the exact same script. And he, the way they interpret it is so different. Uh, so what's really cool is he totally, like, I gave him the gist of the characters. Then he designed them. It's all from his brain. It's amazing. And also what's really cool is the book kind of became more action-oriented. Because, like, you know, saying, like, Jay, at the first page is Jace running, you know. And the way he drew it, it's like looking up at Jace. It's so dynamic and so animated that I needed to draw a lot more running and jumping. Uh, a couple two-page spreads in every issue, you know. So his art really, totally, very much influenced the book. Like it's, it would have been a totally different book with a different artist. That's cool. There's a, uh, a character design that I enjoyed. It, it's like a space cop that looks like Savage Dragon. Eric Larson, was that, it, was that a, a direct homage or kind of like your own thing there? Oh, that's 100% Nikos. He actually is a colorist on Savage Dragon. And Eric Larson, we, he has a credit as our creative consultant. He kind of got the book to image through Nikos. So... So, yeah, so that was like Nikos' little homage to Eric and, his, you know, his most famous creation, you know, which I love that there's, like, the fact that I was a kid when that book started and he's still writing and drawing it is amazing. That's very cool. There's also another part I love uh, in the bonus part of the comic. There's, like, this space chicken, uh, like, in, in sort of its kind of origin. Uh, I love bonus pages. There's almost no dialogue in that. Like, how did you guys come up with sort of that idea? How did you design that, you know, that space chicken and sort of his little story? I loved that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, that was, uh, you know, their first errand. They're going to get this, like, uh, very rare bird called a Vazgog. And um, Nikos actually wanted to do backups. He also teaches art in Greece. And so he had some amazingly talented friends and students 
so I initially didn't have an idea to do backups, but once he, he brought that to you know suggestion to the book, I like the idea of doing something like these characters. They're just like these bird characters, but I kind of wanted to show that they're a family as well, um, and they don't talk. So I thought it'd be cool to have no dialogue. And then there was some back and forth actually. Um, some people wanted captions in it or some dialogue. What we ended up doing is instead of being completely silent, there's like a play setter and like the end, like the you know ending caption, and then one sound effect. That's like the most important sound effect in the story. So I, I like that. I mean, when I was a kid, um, uh, John Byrne and Jim Aparo did like a uh, a bat, all silent Batman issue that I always thought was really cool. And so it's the, the idea. I even though I love dialogue and I'm pretty wordy with my writing, I like the idea of just letting the art tell the story. Oh, absolutely. I mean, come on, we're reading comics, right? And, and you're, you're, it's a good balance, you know, because his art is so all over the place. I love that you have to kind of stop and stare at some of the panels because there's just a lot of things happening in different colors and it's just exploding on the page. So I love that. No, I, I don't think that you are, you're crowding the art at all. Like, it's just balanced perfectly. So tell me a little, like, go back for me, if, for, if you will. Uh, tell me, like, your comic book resume. Like, tell the folks, like, kind of how you got your start and, like, you know, where you are now and what's, what's coming beyond maybe Aaron Boyce. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I've always loved comics. My, my dad was a big comic fan. Um, and I loved uh, Superman with the Christopher Reeve movies and then, like, the Super Friends cartoons and stuff. And um, so I think that I got into comics from seeing these characters in other media as a little kid. And, uh, but as far as, like, writing them, um, there's a, I mentioned it before, this anthology series called Pop Gun from Image. And uh, I kind of came on as an assistant editor, and then the editors uh, asked me to write a story for the first volume, which was awesome. And that was my start. And what's crazy, that was, uh, I wrote that story in, like, 2006. So it's, it's amazing how time flies, right? Um, so I did that, and then I actually ended up co-writing a lot with my friend Adam Nave, who is the editor on Aaron Boys, along with Ella Anderson. Um, and we co-write. Uh, we did a series called Amelia Cole that came out digitally from Monkey Brain and in print from IDW. And I've done some other books with IDW, and I've co-written a lot with Adam. Uh, we did a book called The Once and Future Queen that came out from Dark Horse. And so Aaron Boys is my most recent book. And right now, Adam and I are working on a couple pitches, and uh, we shall see, but nothing to announce yet. Nice. That's good stuff. I have, I've read Amelia Cole. That's right. I, I enjoyed that. And uh, how did go back a, just a smidge into that, that break, because there's a lot of folks listening to my podcast that are trying to get in, trying to break into the business. Like, what, what did it for you, and what, what actually got you in? Well, um, it definitely was uh, kind of who you know thing, in a way. And not like that people get, like, oh, sorry. Someone just scared me. <laughs> Barbara Kiesel. You should talk to her, too. She's an amazing writer and editor. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, with Pop Gun, um, it was kind of like I, I met uh, one of the editors at Meltdown Comics, actually, and we had mutual friends. And I was writing, not comics, but I was writing for a humor magazine. And um, I kind of, I'm a little, like, I've recently, like, I'm actually OCD. I used to joke about it, but actually I'm a little bit. And, but it helps me with my editing. And he would send me scripts just to kind of read over, and then I kind of started, like, correcting bits, you know, editing. Yeah, mostly just, like, grammar and punctuation. So then he and his co-editor, uh, they asked me to come on and be the assistant editor for the book. 
And that's how I got in. And then they let me write a story, too. And then so I started writing. And then I ended up uh, co-editing volume three. And then Adam and I and a friend of ours named Anthony Wu co-edited volume four. So that got me started in comics. So it's actually editing. But I, I prefer writing. I love writing. So, um, yeah. Well, that's great. You know, I know doing it yourself, especially you self-edit as it is. And so you got your crack in, you know, right at early on editing. That's fantastic. And yeah. giving scripts. That's wonderful. Yeah, it is. But I will say, even though like we, I like in Adam and I, when we co-write, we kind of joke that we co-write and co-edit in a way. But there's something really important about having an objective eye, and that's why, like with Aaron Boys, initially we didn't have an editor. But as we were doing it, and I was talking to Adam about some of the challenges he offered for himself and his uh, editing partner, L. Anderson, to come on. He's like, "We'd love to help you out," you know. And it was cool. It was cool to work with him. Uh, not as a co-writer, but as an editor, you know, and, and like what I like too is like when we write together, the stories are totally different than what we write solo. And there's stuff like, you know, and he's like a big supporter of Aaron Boys, but I know that there's stuff like if we wrote it together, it'd be different. We had to put his editor hat on, you know, he's like, I'm not writing it with him. I'm editing it. And uh, I think it's very important to have an editor though. You, like as an editor, you can't, it's harder to edit your own work. Yeah, I imagine you're too close to it. Right, it's too too close to you. It's too special to you, to see it objectively. I imagine, which I'm doing my own comic and I'm editing it myself. So, oh, good yeah. advice. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. Well, tell us now. Your Aaron Boys is on issue five, coming out. Actually, yes. Issue one through four are out now, and issue five is coming out actually uh, this coming Wednesday, February twentieth. Excellent. Well, you know it's on my pull list. Uh, beyond beyond five, give us a, a just a hint, if you will, as to what we can expect from Aaron Boys from DJ Kirkwright. Nothing. It's a five zero. It's a five issue miniseries. So actually, five is it. Oh, is there going to be a second arc? Not at the moment. Yeah, I, mean, and I, I like to do finite stories. So um, that's all we'd planned. Like if ever their sequel comes up, cool. But if not, uh, Nikos and I told our story. So it's yeah. Well, don't tell me the end of five, but it does have an open ending. I assume to kind of if we decide to one day revisit Aaron Boys. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, just because the story's over doesn't mean, like, all the characters' lives are over, you know? So, yeah, I mean, we could definitely tell more stories. But if we don't, readers like you, such as yourself, Chris, who enjoy it, thank you very much, um, you know, you know that it, some of the stories will continue. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's nice. But, yeah, but the arc that, the, that Jace and Tonk go on comes to a satisfying conclusion. Very cool. I can't wait to read it. That is next Wednesday. Yep. Almost here. Excellent. Well, it's on my poll at my comic book shop. Tell the folks, where can they find, I already cyberstock you and everything, but where can the fans find Mr. DJ Kirkbride? Well, I'm really easy to find. I'm on Twitter at DJ Kirkbride and Instagram DJ Kirkbride, and I have a website creatively called DJKirkbride.com. Excellent. Easy to find you. I like that. <laughs> Not a long name with a bunch of dashes and hyphens. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, fantastic. What, what's uh, coming up? What can you tell us? Are you working on anything sort of? Can you hint to us or anything going on after Aaron Boys? Uh, no. I mean, like I'm working on a couple of pitches with Adam, and um, one of them has an artist attached, and it's like kind of with a publisher. They're looking at it now, but I can't talk about it until it's real. So, But uh, hopefully there will be more in the future. I'm a fan, so uh, I'll be there. So uh, I just can't wait to see more stuff from you and read the final fifth for now issue of Aaron Boys from Image Comics coming out this Wednesday. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, DJ. And thank you, Sunspot Comics. Thank you for the just the awesome podcast and all the encouragement and enthusiasm. It means the world to indie creators like myself.
Here, hold. This is fifty bucks. Just hold on to it um, <laughs> for that. <laughs> Just gonna hold. Here's. A <laughs> Thanks, DJ. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Man, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope your ear holes are happy. Thank you again to Marguerite Bennett. Again, follow her at Evil Marguerite and DJ Kirkbride. I'm uh, sorry I messed up your name there at the beginning, DJ. <laughs> uh, at DJ Kirkbride. And you are both just an inspiration to me as comic book creators and writers. I, I hope to just have a, a taste of that one day to be in your shoes and be a comic book creator. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, but thank you so much for your body of work. And it's just an, it was an absolute pleasure uh, meeting the both of you. So thank you again to Marguerite Bennett and DJ Kirkbride. And another thing that's lodged up inside of my nerdy brain really good is two new comic book TV shows are available right now. Yes, right now. They both arrived yesterday, February 15th. Both series are just getting great reviews so far, and I'm so excited to watch them. I haven't seen them yet. The first one is Umbrella Academy in on Netflix. This uh, amazing series, the comic book uh, series, was created by Gerard Way, uh, which was in a band called My Chemical Romance that I enjoyed back when, and drawn by Gabriel Ba. A quick gist of Umbrella Academy, it's a dysfunctional family of superheroes that come together to solve the mystery of their father's death, and at the same time, the threat of the apocalypse and even more. Uh, Ellen Page is the only actor that I immediately recognized on the list, but it is a very huge cast, and I'm sure I'll dive in a little deeper and say, oh, they're from that, and they're from this, and that person was on that. But I love the comic book Umbrella Academy, and just, I have fingers, toes, everything crossed that the Umbrella Academy on Netflix really delivers the goods because it's very, uh, for me, it's very it's a comic book that I love, so I hold it in high regard, so I hope the best. Everything crossed. And the second new comic book TV show that just launched is Doom Patrol on the DC Universe app. Uh, the, the two main stars that I recognize, recognize right off the bat are Alan Tudyk from Serenity and Firefly and so many other things. K2SO and uh, Brendan Fraser from the Mummy movies and a whole bunch of things and George of the Jungle. And uh, there's, again, a, a bunch of other people in the cast that uh, are there. It's a giant cast. But a quick uh, Doom Patrol gist. Uh, it's set after the events of Titans on the DC Universe, which you got to see, by the way. I highly recommend Titans. And the world's strangest heroes, led by this Dr. Niles Calder, they receive a mission to stop the supervillain known as Mr. Nobody from just taking over the world. So that's the quick gist. I really love Titans, and I even loved episode four of Titans where they introduced the Doom Patrol. You got to see that. And they really just set this very odd and interesting tone. They're just like this interesting weird superpower dysfunctional family so i am all in on doom patrol on the dc universe i just hope like like titans that uh, doom patrol has that similar gritty dark tone and look but i can't wait to watch doom patrol on the dc universe check it out so those are two shows i'm seriously excited about i will be discussing both shows on a future podcast of course if they are great <laughs> and uh, worth recommending to you so very excited. Two new comic book TV shows available right now. And the last thing that's floating around inside of my nerdy brain is I'm actually creating my very own comic book. It's called Zombie Destroyers. And I created Zombie Destroyers. I'm doing the writing and the lettering. And you got to look at the art by amazing artists that, I've, that I'm working with here. His name's Jordan Hudson. 
Check out his uh, Instagram at Skablad, S-K-A-B-L-A-D-D. And thank you for the colors, by the way, by Caroline Nalasco. Follow her at Carol N. Art. And to just get a glimpse of what my comic book zombie destroyers looks like, just head over to my website, sunspotscomics.com. Just click on zombie destroyers and you'll actually see three glorious colored sample pages. They're just wonderful. So check them out. And I just can't wait to finish zombie destroyers and get it out there to you. But check it out on sunspotscomics.com. Now, just a quick mention of a segment that I love called Spotlighting. Spotlighting is the interview part of the Sunspots Comics podcast where I get to share some great conversations with some fantastic comic book creators, just like I just did a little bit ago with those two people, Marguerite Bennett and DJ Kirkbride. Fantastic creators. But please check out the newest Spotlighting interview that's on the Sunspots Comics feed. It's there right now. It's a conversation with comic book creator and writer and artist Daniel Warren Johnson. He created and wrote and did the art for two of my favorite comic books, maybe of all time, Extremity and Murder Falcon from Image Skybound Comics, with which, by the way, both have been top Sunspots Comics picks of the week on numerous occasions. So you got to check those two out, Extremity and Murder Falcon. Uh, but I'm sitting there with Daniel Warren Johnson. We talked for like an hour and 40 minutes about his process of making comics, about how he got into the comic book business, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So much more. I'm just a super fan of all of his work, and he is just a comic book creator that I highly respect. And uh, I even played two of his metal shredding guitar tracks on the intro and the outro of the Daniel Warren Johnson Spotlighting Podcast. He was nice enough to share that music with me, so check it out. He just shreds. My, he just melts your face with his metal and his rock. He's an amazing guitarist. So please check out Daniel Warren Johnson on the Sunspots Comics feed. And also, if you yourself would like to be a guest on a future Sunspots Comics podcast, and maybe you're you're trying to break into the business like I am, let's have a fun chat about comic books right here. I will just happily help you promote your comic book. Of course, the only little caveat is I do have to genuinely enjoy your comic book to promote it. I want it to be from a real place if I'm going to recommend it to you, the fans, and so on. Uh, that said, just send me a message and a review copy of your comic book to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com, or just message me at Sunspots Comics so we can set that up. That's spotlighting. So now, on to the main event. The sweet spot. The secret sauce? <laughs> Maybe? Of the Sunspots Comics podcast, which is our comic book recommendations. I'm about to share with you my favorite picks of the new comic books that just came out. New comic book day, February 13th. And just in case, here is a super duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alert. But seriously, don't worry. I really just want to inspire you to go and read these comic books. I do not really spoil them at all. I never discuss the last few pages, so you don't have to worry about that. I leave them alone, and I only discuss some of the interesting points that makes up an, a comic book, because there's a lot of points, right? But just in case, you've been super-duper light, semi-spoiler-ish alerted. And before I get into the top comic book picks, let me announce this week's artist winner and cover artist winner of the week. Every week, I pick what I believe to be the best comic book art of the week. You gotta put your eyeballs on these immediately. You'll be super happy that you did. This week, the cover artist winner of the week is Daniel Warren Johnson of Murder Falcon, issue number five. Just follow him, by the way, at Daniel Warren Art on everything. So let me discuss this glorious cover as I'm looking at it. It's just stunning. This is uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, Murder Falcon, issue number five. I just love this giant Lord of the Rings Ent 
kind of Groot-like monster, tree-like giant kaiju thing that's just towering over this character. His name is Helmdar. There's some J's in there. I could be saying it wrong. <laughs> he looks like if the WWE Undertaker and Paul Stanley of Kiss had a baby. That's kind of what Helmdar looks like. And he's standing there on this like small mountain uh, as the ocean just crashes upon it. It's just epic. He's got this black and white face makeup. It's just glorious with, again, the Groot Ent standing you know, behind him. It's just wonderful. It's so beautifully colored. Uh, you got to look at it. It's stunning. Go look at Daniel Warren Johnson's Murder Falcon issue number five cover. It's uh, something that will stick with me. It's just, it's absolutely stunning and epic. And it's just as dramatic. He's got a guitar. It's just metal. It'll melt your face. It's it's all of that and then some. <laughs> so that's why definitely it's the uh, cover artist winner of the week. And there were some good ones this week. So it was uh, it had to be excellent to beat out the rest, which I'll, I'll talk about a few in a sec. And on to the artist winner of the week. And it also goes to Daniel Warren Johnson of Murder Falcon issue number five from Image Skybound Comics. Uh, follow him at Daniel Warren Art. Uh, what can I say about uh, his interiors? Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson has been a multiple artist and multiple cover artist winner of the week. So I've talked about it a lot, but I don't know. Every time he just seems to step it up. There's some amazing, unique panel shaping that happens here. And a lot of his uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's lettering, which he does the lettering uh, with uh, also uh, this fantastic letterer named Russ Wooten where the, the lettering uh, is beautifully colored. It's all over the place, colored by Mike Spicer, and the letters will just kind of explode out of the panel right from the get-go in the first sequence where this uh, you're, you're getting the, uh, a splash of the, of the evil that is attacking Earth, and it's just gloriously done in red and purple, and it's, it's just, just glorious, glorious stuff. You got to look at it. There's this, like, giant rift in the sky where it just seems kind of like blood is pouring out of it, but it's this army horde of like demons and it's just insane looking. And you'll see the lettering as it's just sprayed across panels. And he has all kinds of unique shaping from where he zooms in on the panels to get them a little smaller to where you're kind of leaning in to where then you just have to sort of back off as these large explosions just happen in your face with color and words and rock and metal and notes and like I said, the Groot-like Ent that's smashing demons. It's just, it's beautiful. It's so, just this this absolute rainbow of colors done by Mike Spicer. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> so I've gone on at great length uh, with Daniel Warren Johnson's art uh, a bunch of times because like I said, he's he's been a multiple artist and multiple cover artist winner of the week here on the Sunspots of Comics podcast. So go look at it, guys. It's absolutely beautiful. That's Daniel Warren Johnson on Murder Falcon issue number five. Easily the artist winner and cover artist winner of the week. Thank you, Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson. And the breakdown. I actually had a pretty decent sized pull list this week of 18 comic books. And I actually had uh, only four of them make the great recommendation list because uh, it's not easy. It's got to be fantastic to make the Sunspots Comics recommendation list so I can tell you about it. And uh, new number ones. I actually had four new number ones this week and only one of them made it. They got to be great or I don't discuss it right here on the Sunspots Comics podcast. And make sure you get this new number one that I'm about to discuss here very soon so that you can just be in on all the fun from the very beginning. It's very important. So here we go. Here are my top comic book recommendations. This is my list of what I consider to be the best of the new comic books that just came out. New Comic Book Day 
February 13th. I strongly recommend you go and buy these at your local comic book shop today. And please, please, please support your local comic book shop. By the way, my local comic book shop is Comic Madness in Ontario, California. Just want to give a little shout out and hello to owner Lee and manager Jeremy. Jeremy, by the way, is actually drawing a variant cover to my comic book called Zombie Destroyers. As we speak, he's doing the art. It's what I've seen in pencils so far is just absolutely fantastic of like this zombie with his mouth open. It's kind of Pink Floyd, the wall. I just can't wait to see when it's all done. There's a bunch of zombies inside of his mouth. It's just crazy looking, but follow Jeremy. He's a fantastic artist at Skeleton King 82. And again, please support your local comic book shops. So there were four great comic books that I'm going to about to recommend to you. And here we go now. Coming in at number four is the only no new number one that made it to the countdown this week. It's Savage Sword of Conan, issue number one. And this is, of course, from Marvel Comics. They're, they just got the licensing back to Conan, so they're all in. They're doing two titles a month. So it's a whole lot of Conan, and thankfully, it's fantastic. Uh, this is even called The Cult of Kogathun, part one, Shipwrecked. And this, by the way, the team is Jerry Duggan, who is a fantastic writer. Ron Garney, beautiful art by Ron Garney, some of his best stuff. And I gotta give a shout out to Richard Eisenhoff for his coloring. It's just spectacular, spectacular. And right from the get-go, you get this lovely sequence of, they just love to put Conan sitting in the throne and brooding. You get that. He seems to have all the food and all the wine and all the mead and all the women in this, in his lair, all of his swords and axes. But it's just not enough for Conan. He, he thrives and needs more than what he already has. And then he sort of thinks back, or it's a flashback, to this fantastic sequence of Conan uh, trapped on just a... There was this war in the ocean, and he's he's trapped and hanging on to this little bit of piece of wood as, like, sharks attack him. So it's... And the ocean is just pounding, and it's just... it's. It's just unrelenting, and there's Conan trying to stay alive, stay alive as he just chews and eats or kills with his mouth this shark that's attacking him. So it's like, what a great opening sequence. It's, uh, it's just, it immediately will grab you, and it goes from this lovely brown and red tone of the scene where Conan's brooding, sitting in a throne, to just blue and in the ocean and this old sort of, you know, ship in the background. And this mayhem with bits of ship everywhere and Conan hanging on to life as he blows the whistle and says, no, he doesn't do that. Sorry, so that's Titanic. Anyway, um, <laughs> but man, it's just a whole lot of fun. They take you on an epic adventure with Conan here. It's just a blast from the get go. There's this wonderful sequence right in the middle where he is attached to this this slave. They these these pirates basically pick him up from his, uh, from, from, from he's almost dead, and uh, bring him onto their ship, and throw him into the slave quarters, and they're going to eventually try to save Conan, of course, I just love the unrelenting nature of Conan, he's just a force that just will not be sort of reasoned with in any way, he's going to do it his way, period, or you'll get punched or slashed, or your head cut off, there's just, there's really no having Conan do anything that he you know, doesn't want to do, but I love that sequence where he's thrown into the slave quarters. He's brought back to life by a slave that's hoping to sort of win his favor and uh, maybe 
be taken out of slave quarters and hired onto the ship. And Conan just kind of throws a wrench into everything and nothing goes as planned. And I just love the adventure, love the ride. I definitely recommend reading Savage Sword of Conan, issue number one uh, from Marvel Comics. It's fantastic stuff. It's a, the only number one to make that top pick list this week, folks. So jump in right here and get this. Savage Sword of Conan, number one. And now onto the top three. Here we go, the big three, the top three recommendations of the week. Here we go, coming in at number three is The Magic Order, the final issue, number six, six of six. This is from Image Comics. This is written by Mark Millar, or Miller. Uh, also, uh, art, fantastic, phenomenal. Uh, nominee right here for Artist Winner of the Week, Olivier Corpel, Coipel, Oliver Coipel, I'm so sorry. Beautiful colors by Dave Stewart, the, the champion of all coloring. He's fantastic. Uh, but I love, love, love the splash page reveal in this. It's it will take your breath away. It's pretty surprising as to what happens. Uh, so I, I can't uh, tell you about it, but I can tell you it's in there. <laughs> but um, I love that page. And I, I love this moment, too, where our main character, Gabriel, I do believe that's his name, uh, sort of takes a trip into the afterlife, maybe? Or a little, like a purgatory? And I love just the, the hue and the tone, the sepia kind of look there, so you know you're in another place or flashback or afterlife. So it's very unique looking and interesting as also as far as what happens there, very uh, big into what uh, is going to be going on in the story. But uh, man, it's it, it kind of looks like at the end of this sequence as to where they're in purgatory, like, like they're kind of walking on the surface of the sun. So it's sort of has this orangey glow to it as well it's it's just absolutely love lovely and uh i love absolutely love how uh, olivier coipel has captured this sad look on gabriel's eyes and there's a reason why he's sad i mean he is fighting his sister cordelia at the very opening sequence of this and so it's very steeped in a lot of family issues here um it's and it's very just perfectly emotionally captured by Olivier Coipel's fantastic eye work. You have to see it. And it's the subtlety of the face and, and lines on the nose when someone is sort of crying. It's just phenomenal. And the sweet, naive look on, on Gabriel's daughter's face is just wonderful. It, it's captivating. Uh, you just capture that emotion perfectly. But what a fantastic, brutal, violent, and bloody end to Magic Order. It's phenomenal. There's going to be a Netflix show of this sometime soon, I hope. Fingers crossed. But man, Harry Potter uh, with a vengeance. Uh, rated R Harry Potter is what's happening here as this, as there's this, these two factions of this, these magic families that are warring against each other and they want this insane book that'll basically make you all powerful. There's a great twist in this that I didn't see coming and it was a great surprise. You gotta read Magic Order issue number six. It's been a great series. Thank you, Mr. Mark Millar. It's been wonderful. And uh, coming in now at number two is Strangers in Paradise 25 issue number 10 and this is from written and drawn by Mr. Terry Moore fantastic phenomenal one of the best comic book creators of all time in my opinion and it's really tough for me to kind of talk about Strangers in Paradise because it's a big story there's a lot of history here there's 60 issues plus I think maybe 90 issues in the, uh, the two-part omnibus of Strangers in Paradise, he did a spin-off called Strangers in Paradise Kids, Sip Kids. You got to check that out. It's when all of his characters kind of in the Terry Moore verse are little kids. I just love that. And 
there's a ton of emotional content in this. There's this family bond in here that you will absolutely feel. And mostly because of the way Terry Moore draws it. Such perfect eyelines. But Kachu, our main character, she wants to stay home. She wants to sort of leave the danger that's been going on in the last nine issues with this potentially world-ending cataclysmic event that could happen. And she just kind of wants to spend the remaining time that maybe Earth has like with her family, with her wife and with her lovely little, her two kids. And... And there's this intense scene where the kids are in danger, where basically a hitman has been sent. There's like this skinhead that's been sent to their home to, to kidnap the kids or kill their Aunt Libby. And it's extremely intense. And the way that this character is drawn, this hitman, this skinhead hitman, he's got like a, like a Hitler mustache. He's got face tattoos. Uh, he's just a, a very hulking mass of a man that's just very intimidating. And uh, he... Uh, the sweetest old lady aunt libby is the babysitter and it very much very much looks like she's going to meet her demise at the hands of this insane skinhead hired killer and are the kids going to be kidnapped it's just very intense as all of this is going on the the, the parents will mostly catch you uh, we don't know where um francine is at the moment when this is going down She's not there with the kids, but, you know, Kachu is struggling to get sort of away from this bigger picture, this bigger story of the world coming to an end, to just get home to her family, and this family drama is happening. And then that's where sort of the magic happens, is where the Terry Moore verse is kind of all kind of mashing together, whereas uh, Sam from Motor Girl is involved, and uh, she sort of steps in in a fantastic way. I love it. She uh, hallucinates and sees sort of this... Her friend Mike, which is a, a, a just giant gorilla, and uh, there's just a, a just a sprinkling of that, which I love. So, I know it's a lot of story content to uh, to get into, and to hit this uh, and read it by itself is uh, is you'll uh, you have to kind of get a cold feeling from it. You'll be going, "What character is this? And who who is that again? And is she there? And who's that?" But uh, trust me, it's fantastic storytelling. It, uh, I think it will stand on its own. When I recommended issue number nine uh, to uh, co-host Ian to read it, and he'd read it cold, he said he really enjoyed it. And I did give him some of the background, but if you give Strangers in Paradise a try, and there's a lot of info there, and you're lost, hit me up. I'll fill you in. I'll maybe, as, as spoiler-free-ish as I can, fill in some of the gaps of Strangers in Paradise so that you can enjoy this wonderful bit of storytelling. Uh, in this uh, 25th anniversary retelling and bringing of the Terry Moore verse together. It's phenomenal. Strangers in Paradise, XXV, issue number 10. Fantastic. Almost made the top pick. It was just, like I said, so filled with emotional content. Love it. But here we go now. On to the number one top comic book pick of the week. The Jedi Master, the King, the Supreme Leader. The number one top comic book pick of the week is... Murder Falcon, issue number five. Yes. That's right. It's the Triple Threat. It's our artist winner. It's our cover artist winner of the week, and it's the number one pick of the week. It's a Triple Crown. This definitely does not happen very often, by the way, so I highly recommend Murder Falcon. The cover is amazing. What can I say? It's just glorious. It's epic. A guitar face melting Groot Kaiju Ent standing behind this character. It's phenomenal. But Murder Falcon number five further dives into another emotional heartfelt moment between Anne and Jake. It's a complicated situation there. 
And the opening sequence with Magnum Chaos unleashing this evil horde upon the earth is just so awesome looking. It's so much fun. It's just the it's it's this giant Lord of the Rings like epic battle and I love it. Every single panel is just a pleasure. And also yet another quest for an amazing metal artifact. It's not actual the element of metal, it's just, you know, it's just heavy metal uh, artifact that they've got to go on a quest to find. It's fantastic. Maybe my favorite sequence is when the Murder Falcon just takes off his long red flowing bandana and places it on Anne and so that she can experience what the heavy realm looks like. And it's just glorious. It's uh, The realm is just based upon like a giant metal axe. It's just everything your heavy metal heart could dream of. <laughs> or at least mine. But this war with this very interesting, odd-looking character of evil, Magnum Chaos. It's The war has just begun. It's just, it's just, just getting started, it feels like. And it's just going to take all of Earth's heavy metal to be to be victorious all of bruticus to save the day that's the band that is uh, comprised of jake and his friends and now even kind of Anne. and it's it's just another amazing issue of murder falcon uh, what can i say uh, listen to uh, look on the feed you'll see murder falcon in the title because it has won multiple times uh, as top pick of the week and artist winner and cover artist winner of the week it's uh, daniel warren johnson's uh it's his magnum opus it's fantastic and it's only on issue number five, folks, so jump in right here and just experience the whole thing that is the metal mashing Murder Falcon. Check it out. And now, uh, those are our comic book recommendations of the week. I hope you uh, like those. You got to check them out. That's uh, Those are our list, our list here for New Comic Book Day, February 13th. Let me go ahead and lock the vault door. Please go to a local comic book shop and buy those comic books immediately. I highly recommend them. They're fantastic. If you have any questions, comments, or maybe you'd like a personal comic book recommendation, just email me directly to chris at sunspotscomics.com. And to see the Sunspots Comics universe all encapsulated in one place with all of my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, I can't believe I've been doing it that long, go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on the pull list to see the recently just updated 90 comic book titles that I'm currently reading. Yes, that's a lot, I know but they're fantastic. Also click on top comic book picks of the week and you'll see every past top pick right there on sunspotscomics.com. So please check it out. And hey, would you like some free comic books? Well, check this out. On the Sunspots Comics podcast issue number 191, we actually gave away Conan the Barbarian issue number one. And from time to time, it's just a thank you to you, the listener. I will give away some free Marvel Digital Comic Book Codes in Sunspots Comics Podcasts. There are actually still some unclaimed codes available, so listen to past Sunspots Comics Podcasts that are on the feed, grab that Marvel Digital Comic Book Code that I read usually towards the beginning of each podcast, go over to marvel.com redeem and just punch in the code to see if you won. It's that easy, so go get them and good luck. And also thank you to our other sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. My buddy Julian hand makes these awesome augmented reality t-shirts. They're based on cryptozoology. You just use your HP reveal app and your smartphone and every Cryptid Zoo t-shirt just comes to life in this crazy video presentation. Yes, the shirt comes to life. You got to see it. Most importantly, go over to cryptidzoo.com, use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of your order. That's right. It's cryptidzoo.com. And please tune in next week for issue number 197 of the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I have on my pull list 19 new comic books that I'm going to be reading for New Comic Book Day, February 20th. It's a big, big week, 19. 
and I've also got uh, five new number ones that I'm definitely going to check out. I hope they're excellent so I can tell you about them. And don't forget our Sunspots Comics pledge. We will read all of those comics and then some and only tell you about the greatest new comic book so you can save a bunch of time and money. That's what it's all about. And please help us out. Tell a nerdy loved one. Spread the word about the Sunspots Comics podcast. And if you have a sec, give us a five-star review with a few positive words on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you do so, I'll return the favor. I'll give you a shout-out on a future podcast, and I'll even mail you a comic book prize package. It's just a small token of my appreciation. Oh, and by the way, every link, every website, and everything I basically discuss, there will be links of it all on the podcast notes. So please check those out. I spent a lot of time. It's got a bunch of links there for you to follow everything I discussed. And so also, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a good time. Hope you felt the positive vibe as I passed it on to you. Uh, but thank you for listening. I sincerely appreciate it. Now, go and spend some quality time with the ones that you love by reading some comic books together. And of course, be water, my friends. To be continued. See you next week. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same, for the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow, where look no further friends, the adventure never ends. We will save the world somehow. It's Sunspots Comics now.